3: I'm a dude
2: Hey, this is Sarah. hey,
4: what's up? This is Amy from The
0: Interrupted. Hey, it's Dave from
5: Plug. Hi there,
0: you
6: wonderful
5: scar listeners.
3: I'm Pauline Black.
2: Hey, this is Roger from Weston
3: Jake.
7: Hey, hey, this is Dan Vitale, singer of Bim Scala Bim and Steady Earnest.
3: Hey guys, this is Steve from The Resignators. Hey, this is Dan P. Hey everybody, can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah! I'm Sasha, and hey, this is Graham. We're the Mad Caddies, and you're listening to... Gah!
7: you're with beefy you're on the world's number one Sky radio show Sky nation radio with beefy this is pretty uh, spectacular for me because as an extra special treat we are going to interview one of australia's kind of um, newborn creatives in the scarpunk punk genre the kitty hawks now i've been on these guys ever since they came on the scene They used to be in a band, or most of them used to be in a band called Sounds Like Chicken. Who kind of sounds like, sounds like chicken? I don't know. It's something along those lines. Triple J have allegedly called them the best Australian ska punk band in many years. In fact, that was probably me. I've probably said that many, many times. Also, it says here. Chaotic energy breathing life back into the scar scene. I probably said that as well. But there you go. They haven't yet made it onto the airwaves of uh, ABC and Triple J yet, but uh, we are working on that. It is my absolute pleasure to have Nat, Joel, and Simon in the studio with me. Welcome to Scar Nation Radio with Beefy, boys. Thank Hello. you, Beefy. Thank you. Pleased to be here. Now, we are going to touch on the fact that most of you were in Sounds Like Chicken.
2: Well, all three of us were. <laughs> Just three? Just three. Three, three out, out of seven.
7: Three out of seven. As yeah. Meatloaf never said, three out of seven ain't bad. <laughs> That's an awful joke. Now, May the 11th, 2014 was the last time Sounds Like Chicken played. It was at
2: the Fist to Face Ding Dong Spectacular. It was. It was. In fact, the three of us sitting here tonight actually, were actually there. The four of us. The fo- oh, the four of us were yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, the four of us were there. So, uh, yes, that was the last time Sounds Like Chicken graced the stage, which was a seven-year reunion for that band. Yep. And we haven't been able to quite get another show organized. I think it's mainly because of herding cats.
7: (laughs) Well, that's the issue, perennial issue with the Scar Band is uh, the number of moving parts is always difficult to align. I spent half that show in a dolphin suit as well.
1: <laughs> yes. I don't remember
7: the dolphin <laughs> suit, unfortunately. I seem to remember it was a very
2: early start on a Sunday. Was it? Was it a Sunday? I'm sure it was like a 10 a.m. start. No, there was. I think there were a couple of sister face shows that we we had one at night. We, we, but I
7: think the whole day
2: oh, started possible, like 10 a.m. Yeah. So
7: yeah. I had definitely by the time you guys came on, I, I didn't know whether I think it was we were Sunday. second last up. So it was yeah. quite, quite anti-sceptic. Did they headline? They did. They yeah, did. I think so. That's a memory and a yeah, half. They did. <laughs> It was good. Yeah.
2: It's a good old memory, it seems. It's 10
7: years ago. I know. Yeah. So I was talking... I talk on the show all the time because I'm the only one here. And if I didn't talk, it would be a pretty bloody boring show. Are you fans of The Interrupters? No, unfortunately, no. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's the end of the interview. No. So their debut album came out in 2014, and that's 10... It is 10 years ago. And I'm thinking... I thought that album like came out three or four years ago. So there was a seven-year... Period in between, a bit like um, you guys Mm. forming the Kitty Hawks, I suppose, that uh, time flies when you're not really having fun at all.
2: (laughs) You just get old.
7: You just get old. So, what was the spark that kind of brought you guys together? To form the Kitty Hawk. So what kind of happened in between Sounds Like Chicken and the the creation oh. of
2: this, I'm just going to call it a beast. Okay. Well, I'll take this one, I think. Uh, Go! Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: you were one of the ones that started it, like the idea.
2: Yeah, so what actually happened was... There was a bit of interest in just before COVID in getting SLC to do a reunion tour. There was some talk about it. There were some external people who were willing to organise it, trying to convince us all, and not all of us were convinced. And so at that time, I sort of had that spark reunited, reignited, ignited sorry, in me to play ska, play music again. COVID hit in the middle of COVID. I contacted Elliot. I remember we started chatting about Elliot's our drummer, by the way. Started ch- chatting about um playing scar again or playing music, just just loosely, you know, as an idea. And then I started to get inspired and started writing some tunes or, or, or some prototype tunes, I guess, uh, during those COVID, end of COVID years, 2020, 2021. And then when we came out of that, we basically got together and the rest is history. We yeah. kicked off a, a, a new project, which we we didn't quite know what would happen. We thought, you know, just be, be good to play a show here and there just to get out and jump around again like we used to. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're
7: all older now, and it's uh, yes. the jumping around bit is. Although I have to say, I mean, the energy that you do show on stage, as well as uh, Simon, not too sure about you, Joel. You're a bit. Well, I'm stuck uh, behind the keyboard. Yeah, <laughs> as well. But in terms of jumping around and being energetic, and that's what it's all about, actually, because there's nothing more irritating for me as a fan. I am not a musician by any means, and seeing people kind of static. You know yeah. isn't the most uh, satisfying of live music experiences
2: when people are just there that feedback's good to hear beefy I mean it, we, I think we're having fun and that's the main reason we're moving we're just yeah. getting into it yeah, yeah what do you feel Simon when you with that
6: big kazoo around? of yours <laughs> <laughs> weighted down um yeah obviously just want to get get up there and, and knock out the tunes yeah I, I think it's a problem with live music today I was I was chatting with with the guys on on the whatsapp chat people are going to gigs but the the they're standing back, they're, they're sort of watching and, and, and listening, but they don't get as involved as, as they yeah. used to. I went to the Blink-182 gig last night, looked down into General Mission, and even the front three rows were, were pretty much you know quite placid,
1: yeah, considering.
6: Yeah. Go back 15 years, I watched Blink-182 in Manchester. People are falling over themselves, getting thrown from side to side. You <laughs> would have had them here at Big Day yeah, Out yeah. And, and whatnot. Yeah. The, the vibe was just totally different. Yeah. I, mean,
7: I think the fact that uh, that demographic now, Blink-182, in their prime, everyone was in their 20s, but the same fan base is still there now they're in their 40s. and it's, Now they've yeah. back problems. Exactly right. <laughs> but I think the fact that, obviously you just pointed out that you and Simon, the rest of the band, are quite energetic, it actually gets the crowd more involved. Because if you are standing still, then the crowd don't reflect that. They don't mm. feed off that energy.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, sometimes I look at some bands that just stay still, but they're not ska bands, but they still have that energy somehow. If you're, mm. like, I don't know, Tom York right ahead doesn't necessarily jump around, or well, sometimes he does, doesn't say much, but he projects an energy somehow, and and that's okay, but yeah, I can't do that. I am I have to, when you're playing ska, I mean, ska's happy music, right? Of course it's, it is.
6: Well, but, but that's the thing, like, when we when we write the music, when we're standing in the practice studio and we're, we're putting music together – half the time when we're working at riffs, it's, will someone dance to that? Will someone get up and and start skanking to that? Because the last thing you want to do is is write boring music or or music that's going to have people stood back and really
7: ska music's prime sort of style to to, to do that. Yeah. Mm. So talk us through the, has the writing process changed from Sounds Like Chicken Days to today? Is it more a group effort or is, is there kind of an alpha type character in the band that kind of takes the lead?
2: Well, we can all chime in on this. I I think the writing style will change a little bit. SLC days, it morphed as well. I mean, we had myself, we had Dave, we had uh, Niall, we had people that put together things. In the Kitty Hawks, like I said, I started it in lockdown in terms of the writing process. So when we got together as a band, we had this thing going where every practice, have to introduce a new tune, you know. Uh, But it wasn't finished. There were always ideas. Some were more finished than others. Some had a few lyrics, some had no lyrics, some just had riffs. So the writing process, at the moment, for the songs that we have, has sort of come from a genesis of stuff I've written, but we come together and we mold that together. We put ideas together, we change things around, we write, share in the lyric writing, etc. But it usually starts with an idea in the head for a horn line, and then maybe a guitar riff, and then starting with an intro, a verse, a chorus, maybe a bridge, and seeing if they meld together. And then after that, does this sound cool? Can I imagine this as a as a song that would yeah be something that I would like. Or, yeah. and if the guys like it too then it b- takes a journey of its own to becoming a, a, a Kitty Hawk song yeah.
7: yeah sure I mean we've, we've talked you know I'm, I know you guys a little bit now mainly through Elliot and some of the dealings we've had getting these songs out to uh, everyone but I mean the word was that you basically sat in a rehearsal studio moulding what you could do for basically two years before unleashing
2: yourself into the Melbourne live music scene I don't know if it was quite two years but it was over probably a year probably felt like it yeah. probably felt like it that's right when, from the probably from the start
1: of the yeah, idea. Probably from the start of the discussions and the WhatsApp and the Let's Get Together it yeah. was probably two years. Oh, right, but yeah. we wouldn't have started like practicing that yeah. week, that exact week. Yeah. It would be like, hey, let's do this and mm. then who's going to be in it and then okay, where we're going to rehearse and that sort of stuff. So that's mm. probably the two years part is the from when we first went let's make a band yeah to playing. Yeah. Would have been about two years. You I was with?
6: gonna say the other thing is that the the process has changed as, as we've we've gone along. Yeah. I, I was a later addition to the to the setup really. Myself uh, and Basil, our trombonist, has come in even later than, than myself. So I was probably even sort of like a year down the line of, of that initial conception and then writing and introducing to the band. I, I missed the one, <laughs> one song a uh, uh, practice, Stages, but then when I came in, I came with different ideas and, yeah. and, and came with different uh, approaches which then got ad- uh, adapted and changed the music a bit. Chiplets. And, yeah. and, <laughs> <laughs> <His favorite thing. laughs> and then Basil came in as as well and, and did the same. Like, Basil's come in. Yeah, and I
1: think it's definitely got more collaborative as we've yeah. gone along. Yeah. Oh, right. Because, um, yeah, it did come with, here's some skeletons of songs and try it out and oh that bit works, but maybe we make that a chorus instead of a verse. It was that kind of thing, wasn't it? Like, you had yeah. these ideas, but over time it's kind of we've just Some have morphed them. more than others yeah. and
2: some some of, you know, where we've concentrated on one micro part of a song to change and others have just flown quick. Yeah, and it's
1: funny how some of them were, have been a struggle to get together and others have just, like, come together really easy. Like, "Porky K No was, like, the biggest struggle <laughs> to get together as a song, wasn't it? It was like we just had issues with it the whole way through and it became one of our favourites, but it was just one of those ones It just seemed like it was really hard to write that song. Now, I'm glad you mentioned
7: Poor No because I'm going to let it let loose and I know you've not released the album yet, but this is a live version of of pork no this is the kitty hawks on sky nation radio with beefy the world's number one sky radio show I've taken that from your debut show at the Leadbeater. There was a lot of build-up to that debut show. So when you decided you were actually going to do the first show... How was the transition from practice, rehearsal, everything else, to a fairly big show in the end of the lead bidder Because it was the Resonators album launch. You guys came in. You, I think, you were originally meant to just open, and then a couple of bands dropped down. You had, you had to actually go into the the coveted middle spot. Um, so, how was that transition and actually getting ready to do a live show?
2: Did you know where you were going to stand?
7: Was that all like those those stage
2: layers? You think, oh, I might stand here. So the answer is yes. We we actually put a lot of effort into planning because, like has been mentioned, we had a, a long lead. Right where we practiced hard, especially after Simon and and then when Basil came in, we practiced a lot more frequently and we honed our sound. We actually did do a secret show at the studios we rehearse at, and we invited some select friends that had could critique oh, us and could, really <laughs> <laughs> that was pre pre Basil as well. It's pre Basil. Oh, actually this okay. yeah. is pre Basil. It was quite. It was probably months before the show just to see how we'd go live, yeah. and then we did another one by ourselves with no audience on a stage before the lead so we knew where we were standing and we'd rehearse in our positions we wanted to be bored of the music so that we could do it second nature just like you get when you play lots of live shows because there's nothing like playing live you can rehearse for as long as you want that experience of playing live and being nervous and all that had to get out of the way. So by the time the little bit came around, we were pretty prepared for it and we were excited rather than nervous. Well, I speak for myself, but
6: <laughs> uh, <laughs> we what? wanted to, we wanted to put it into more into the showmanship of the, the show yep. than being worried about our correct our yeah. playing and our notes and our our lines and stuff like well, that.
7: Well, I know one person in particular in the band was incredibly nervous that first show because she'd ha- not played live before. Correct. Um, and I think it was a kind of a, a very... New, I mean, we can't speak for her, but, I mean, you possibly can, that. But she was incredibly nervous, you know. She and was. she's fronting up yep. this band with a, quite a little bit of hype behind it. And not only is she singing, but she's playing trumpet as well, but she only took up... During COVID, I believe? Oh, no. She's played trumpet for years, okay. but she took it back up. Right. Again, yes. So
2: we're talking about Michelle, by yeah, the way, Michelle. So uh,
7: who fronts up the band, <laughs> and is yeah. doing a bloody good job, by the way.
2: So Michelle was, was great. She was nervous before the show, but I think as the show went on, yes. and the reaction from the crowd, and how we were playing, she, you know, you warmed, yeah, yeah. Fed off that. That's yeah, right. Yeah. She did. So you're only... Let's
7: ignore the secret shows that nobody knew about. Mm. So we're only kind of five shows in, really? I think we, I went to see Friday five night. Five
2: shows in, yes. Yeah.
7: Including um, yeah, the, five. Ch- the yeah. charity show yeah. that um, there was a, a bit of a last-minute edition. How's the feeling in the camp now you are five shows in? Because I did make the comment to you guys on Friday night, I think... Friday night was probably the best you've been as a unit, so to speak, not to uh, bring sports into it, but Mm. as a team going forward, you've got a very well-balanced sound across, and you've always had that, really. But Friday night, I think, smallish room, decent sound, Mm. yeah, it was good, I've got to say it.
2: Thank you for that, (laughs) Pepey. Oh look, I think it's it's coming off okay. We feel like we've been playing for a long time because we've rehearsed so much yeah, yeah. beforehand, right? And so we're already starting to think, oh, how about we mix up these songs a little bit differently? But we realise we haven't played live that much yet. No, it's right. So people need to experience that. We haven't even released our album yet. So I think we have to keep that in mind that that it's still fresh for others as well. And The mixer and the sound engineer has a massive part in making us sound good. It
7: is, and it's vitally important. The fact that you've got four very different sounding horns across the board. I mean, Simon's here, he plays this massive, ugly. brass thing and he bounces around with it and you don't see many ska bands with is it now i'm going to be right is alto sex is no tenor sex so, i don't know oh, elliot'll hate you I, I don't know what it is <laughs>
6: yeah, uh, elliot alto. hates uh, alto sex <laughs> the passion it's a baritone
7: it's a baritone sorry yeah. i do apologize so i'm clueless really <laughs> i just like listening to good music that's that's my qualification in life yeah. i don't know Anthony, what uh, that goes on and look that's part of the progression that the, that the band went through joel plays tenor
6: so when they they were playing before me and baz the sound that they were having they, they decided was a bit too much top end yeah. at the time. Uh, and when I came into it, these guys were super organized. I came in with, with sort of like a, a, a regimen of, we're learning the tunes by, by this date, we're recording by this date, and then we're live shows by this date. You were talking about that, that sort of practice lead up to things. It's really changed and the impetus has changed as we've gone along with those stages. So for the first part after Secret Shows, it was really to try and hone our sound mm. uh, and get ready for recording. We had a, a totally different setup for recording because we were trying to be tight with, with, with all our notes and everything. Yeah. And then after that, we've switched to knowing live the mode. notes live and, mode, and, and, yeah. and getting yeah. on to, to play. Yeah. But ultimately, high end on the sound, they wanted some more bass to it, all mm. baritones come in. And then even after the secret show, the feedback was more round out of the sound and yeah. um, Basil's come in I, as well. I think
7: uh, the one thing that has stood out since seeing you guys live, and I'm not just talking from my behalf, but everyone, it is a wall of noise, <laughs> but <laughs> mainly because you've got the four horns hitting you, but it's not... Overpowering in certain areas, like you, you know, you go to some punk shows and you know the guitars are fighting over each other to try and get heard. Mm-hmm. What you guys have done, and it, it's great credit to sound mixers across the board because there is not that many sound guys, especially around Melbourne, that have experience about mixing eight different channels of different sounds, and the fact that we've been able to have some really good guys give you a really good balance saying is is credit to those guys mm. but it also helps the fact that your shows have been enjoyable the fact that it's not smashing your face in in terms of different aspects of the band it is so balanced and it works it just works can you imagine the the hard work that david
6: carr had to put in in, in mixing us all for, for, for yeah. the album <laughs> he's uh he spent a lot of days on
2: on that and yeah. doing a lot of good work yeah Trying to make sure that everything is balanced to it. Now, and, now talking and about the album, um, yes. it is due. I don't even know what date you're looking at officially. So it will officially hit a streaming services on the first of March. Okay, and then we'll, we're going to have some physical copies in certain media, certain formats come out a bit later than that. Uh, so there may be some, may or may not be some vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> really, <laughs> vinyls on the pre-order already? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. It is. Well, it's not a secret. Yeah, we a very limited run. Just. You know we know that some people like their vinyls, so yeah, we thought we'd put some out. It's nice to have something tactile as well, of course, put, uh, with artwork. And no, it is with the
7: album launch. How long did that take in the studio? Talk about mixing and everything else So, so, from first recording session to where we are now, that process. Or, well, I mean, we're in pre press mode for vinyls, so I'm assuming it's all
2: mixed properly. Oh, the whole, the whole, I mean, obviously. Gaps in between where we didn't do anything, but we started in uh, September, yeah. didn't we? We started in September last year. Had and te- had ten days scheduled, and it, it took how how long? <laughs> oh well, we we had it probably ended up being the better part of a month. And then, uh, yeah, mixing as well and all that. And that, that's not counting our pre-production. Sure. So we did some pre-recording ourselves just to get the songs into a format that we could show our producer. What are they going to look like? Now they've changed a little bit since then because we have ideas come up in the studio. We add things, or which I hope never sees a lot of day that that uh, pre-pre-recording start work we did ourselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it's um, very very handy though that pre-production it was. Like, just to of know. It is. And we, even when we took it to Dave, he's like, actually, most people just have a recording off their phone. So you guys are actually you know more prepared than that because I just found. <laughs> I did it with a previous band where we just recorded the whole album ourselves, just at home, because then it meant you, you went in there and you're like, I already know, I've, I've done this already. Now he can tweak it and make things better, but basically we're just doing that again, but tighter. Instead of going in there and going, oh, I don't know, really, what sound to have in my keys or maybe this will work. I don't know it doesn't sound good. I was like, no, I've already done it. Like. This one.
6: That's how you got to knock all your recording out in what one and a half days? Oh, yeah.
1: Joel has the record. Oh. It was ridiculous. <laughs> just yeah. smashing it out. Um, I did I mean, 18 tracks. I double tracked everything for sax in five hours, yeah, yeah. Um, which he said was yeah a re- record for that studio. And it's just because I'd also charted for Basil mainly because he yeah. was new and he'd only had a few weeks to learn it. I charted all the, the charts for the brass. So I was like, yeah, I can play it off by heart. But if I go in there and it's written in front of me. It's one less step to try and oh I might just stuff a note up if I'm trying to do it by memory, but like no the so notes scab and it's expected. So, <laughs> so yeah, I just yeah. I could just go in there, read my own charts and smash it out because it was just audio there for me. And plus I'd had to sit there and write it all out. So that's another good way of it had to be stuck yeah. in my head because I had to sit there and go, Exactly what what are we playing and work out the rhythms and everything. So
2: I mean it did take longer, that's, right? Yeah. Because we ended up having to cut a couple of songs that we wanted to record. We started recording one of them and only did the drums for it and uh They'll appear on some release at some point. We do play them live, but... <laughs> they missed out
6: recording by by a few weeks. They weren't quite right. And then yeah. and then I think a month or two down the road, we, we tweaked them out. And That's put right. Them, I think that
7: there. even those decisions... I'm going to be serious for a minute. Mm. Even those decisions, Mark, the professionalism of the band because the fact that you decided they're not ready, you know, we need to get something done and the fact that you can make that decision to say no and I think that's credit to all you guys and the way you've gone about getting this whole project together. It's pretty smooth. I mean, probably behind the scenes, it's like that hamster in the wheel, you know, but uh, <laughs> in terms of that, from the outside looking in, it's it's been good so far.
2: Well, thank you for the feedback because I think we actually I mean, for those of us who had played before, we didn't sort of want to start as Crap. Either we wanted to make sure we were yeah. we had some product that we we're going to enjoy as well, and we know that the recordings are important for people to be able to look us up and and hear yeah. what we sound like, and it's something for us too. So, the thing yeah. is that
6: you you would have had a, a
2: level that you'd want to, wanted to
6: to keep previously from Sounds Like Chicken, you know, people coming back and listening to you again. Yeah, you, but they were awful.
2: They really were. not am <laughs> joking. sounded like chicken. Yeah. <laughs> but that was that. that. That's true, though. When we started SLC, we were teenagers, right? So yeah. we sounded rubbish. And it took a while, many years for us to to progress to what we became in the end, yeah. right? So we're older now. We wanted to skip that. Of course. <laughs> Baby steps a bit. Well, I'm glad you did skip that because uh, my
7: favourite track so far that has been released into the wild, Beefy's Top 30 of... 2023 coming in at number eight in the 2023 charts is a track called rally cry i absolutely love it you do it justice live because man it hits you in the face when you uh when you guys play it live so here it is this is my favorite track so far got to number eight like i said beefy's top 30 of 2023 is rally cry from the kitty hawks
2: its favourite (laughs) (laughs) is it is it his favourite no No, oh Oh, does he no (laughs) he used to love it that's why we we debated which would be singles for a long time yeah 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 and that was definitely up there. But now he hates it. <laughs> yeah. Really? That's weird. I not hate it. He just doesn't like it as much as the others. It's
6: really funny. Like, over time, we, we've sat around and we've sort of said, oh, which one's your favourite? Which one's Yeah, you know? yeah. And that's and, and it's it's yeah. like, even it personally, it changes through over time
2: when we make changes. changes. Because of the songs we've been playing for so long, we feel mm. like they've been out for a long time. But we, we've got to remember that they're not even out yet.
1: Mm. <laughs> well, we actually did this thing before we went into the studio Was because we were like, okay, we've got a limited amount of time. We're probably not going to get everything yeah, done. Yeah. And we did a voting thing. We actually voted... <clears throat> Your oh, favorite, yeah. which, like, which one? To oh, nine. right. And then Elliot like compiled them all, and then did a. So this is priority number one. So it right. was like priority one. This has to be done. Yeah, like, yeah, and then we yeah. work yeah, our way right. down. And then if eight and nine don't get time, that's okay because they weren't our favorites. Anyway. Which is so. It's, Danger was
2: actually really low.
3: Actually. <laughs> oh, was it? Danger
7: I was I think seven. Seventh, seventh? Yeah. yeah. So I'm sitting in with Nat, Joel, and Simon from the band. We are quickly coming up to the album release in a couple of weeks' time of From Brass to Bullets, the eagerly awaited release. These guys have been performing only about oh, four months i reckon officially five shows Damn live man. um they played on friday night with admiral akbar's dishonorable discharge at the Bergie band room what a night it was i'm gonna put it on record it's the best they've been so far live not that there's been a bad one but this is the <laughs> best of the best now have you been surprised about how the tunes you put out
2: so far have been received yes Pleasantly surprised, I think, but also surprised at the different tunes different people like and how they've gone. I personally have always thought that World Tonight would have been a good single, and I think it's proving to be an okay single. But otherwise, yeah, it's nice to see people enjoy music. Yeah, I know you've got a massive fan in Hawaii. Big shout out to Mikey Rude because he will
7: be all over this. He loves you guys, and obviously I put him on to you guys. Hello, and, Mikey. Uh, he has uh, absolutely picked up the bat and run with it, and he is blasting the Kitty Hawks all around Hawaii. Oh, I might have to go there someday. <laughs> Hawaii
6: away, what a tour. Pleasure, yeah i think it's really interesting even within the band when we've talked about like our favorite tunes we've all come up with different answers and i think that's what is good to see when we release each tune you know the some, some yeah. people are really yeah. really into one more than the other i remember when danger came out first one of my friends said it was musical crack <laughs> okay <laughs> so yeah we, we've always had good feedback and it's, it's really sort of surreal to see it come out obviously you release on the streaming platforms and you'll see the comments there and and people sending
2: good thoughts from, from all around the world. It's, yeah. it's, it's it, really humbling. It's really nice to see people enjoy your music and it, they get it, something different out of it than maybe you get out of it too. I, I think it's it's like, it's like art right? at yeah. the end of the day and it, I'm honoured and yeah, humbled.
7: So with the streaming stats so far, has there been any countries that have surprised you that are tuning in to the Kitty Hawks? Actually, I have to
2: check this, the streaming stats. <laughs> or, uh, and Elliot's not here to back us up on that. but uh, he, he knows all that. Cause I, he I sees
6: think that. wasn't there a time where... We had the most streams was in Germany.
2: Ooh. Oh, yeah. There was a couple, w- couple of weeks where there were some random Germans. Really? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, big scar scene
7: in Germany. They love it. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah, he did fine. tell me the other day, I think he was surprised at uh, Azerbaijan. There were people <laughs> in Azerbaijan tuning in to uh, to get the Kitty Hawks new releases. So he was quite surprised at that. But uh, nothing As surprises me <laughs> anymore. Oh,
2: land of fire, Nat.
7: Land of oh, fire. Me. Azerbaijan. Sure
2: wasn't a traveling sports fan who just happened <laughs> <laughs> well to be
7: there. I mean, I did contact every radio station on the planet to uh, make sure they were aware of what was going on.
2: (laughs) Yes, now look, it's, it's a more of an international, it's a global world these days, isn't it? Yeah, with internet radio and streaming. Yeah. So It's
7: easy, it's a lot yeah. easier to contact people as well. It is. To, f- to actually get in people's faces. I mean, we take it for granted that everyone is more accessible now. Um, we do. But it's good for a band. 100%. Yeah.
6: Oh, we've, we've put the vinyl up for pre-order and straight away we've got orders in America,
2: orders yeah. in Europe. It's, it's strange to see. Yeah. That's right. Hopefully it comes out all right and we can (laughs) satisfy our American and European uh, pre-orders. The other thing that
7: uh, I do want to touch on is your artwork and merch. Because any Kitty Hawk show I go to it's bloody everywhere I mean that's not a criticism by the way that is the way the world works now if you're not making money from streaming and selling vinyl or CDs or digital stuff merch is the next
2: frontier and it's a bastion that you guys have uh, taken by storm I think it always has been I think that's something we did learn from our days It Sounds Like Chicken and that is that it's hard to make money as a band it's hard to make money even if you're touring and you're playing heaps especially now coming back 20 years later start playing again merch is some way we can support ourselves and we can also fun things uh through merch and people like it people want mentos i buy merch when i see bands mm. life. and yeah so we've been able to uh a lot of our designs have been from pat fox one of our mates who, who's really involved in the, in the music industry uh, here in, our, in other countries yeah i don't know what do you guys think about well, that i
1: think it helps that one of our band members elliot has a clothing la- like certainly an online does. clothing label so he was already coming into it going I know how to do like yeah. online sales and merch and all this sort of stuff. So he kind of just went bit of a plug yeah, for it. fistoface.com. Yeah, let's get it. <laughs> let's get a design and let's just bang it out. And then he knew already where to get it printed, where the best quality shirts were, all that sort of stuff. So that's definitely been a, an easy foot in the door for us.
7: It stands out as well. That's the one good thing. The name of the band is recognisable. The logo that you guys are using is recognisable. Like I said, every show I go to, there's T-shirts everywhere, there's hoodies everywhere. I, I think as a selling point is fantastic because brand recognition is the number one thing you need and repeat yeah. customers is the, is the next. So once you've hit number one, number two is going to follow along. So, I mean, that's one thing that stands out. You see any pictures from Scar Nation, you know, there's kids wearing brightly coloured T-shirts with a massive plane on the back. And uh, but yeah,
1: it's I was going to fan- say, ki- kids are a bit of a, a good goldmine for merch because I even had to, you know, my son went away from that going, I want a few of these <laughs> things. And it's like, you know, they're the main ones that are making us buy all this stuff because he's like, he really wanted the, the pocket watch, actually. So we ended, we ended up Oh, going to go yeah. The res- the res- my res- daughter uh, wanted the it too. Watch. I had to yeah.
2: buy her a that is pocket watch. Which so that was a big hit with the <laughs> kids, good. that thing. And he
1: was like, Dad, we have to get that. So, yeah. I think getting on the kids' merch has been a good idea.
2: I mean, I've
7: made the comment to you guys as well, the fact that Nation proved to me that we have to get the kids involved with ska music, and they love it because of the natural upbeat rhythm. Mm. So you're part of this for me. We've started this Wave Breaker Sunday afternoon gigs with it's a bit of a two tone versus ska punk type deal. So you're playing. Is it fifth of May? We are. I think N- Wave Northcote Breaker Social Club, Social Club mm. with Loin Groin. What a day that's going to be!
2: Fantastic with it's the
7: kids. Awesome. And like I said, from my point of view, seeing all the kids at Scar Nation dancing, I thought we've got to do this more often. We've got to get kids involved. And perhaps getting them on the Guinness a bit early on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon is probably the edge of the uh, <laughs> reach of what I'm trying to do. But in terms of that, I, I really think that there's a secondary market mm-hmm. for like the Friday night punk rock gigs, whereas a quite laid back but upbeat fun afternoon with kids and. Parents, I mean, that's the magic word. Mm. Parents uh, being able to take their kids to gigs because you can't take your kids to a Friday night gig right. at the
2: on Sydney Road. I, I was actually worried that our kids wouldn't necessarily see us play for a while. At, so Sky Nation was a great opportunity for kids and families and band members' kids to come and see the, their parents play the, the Kitty Hawks, the Kitty Did Haw- t-
7: See, it's in the old days when you grew up in the '80s, you were members of fan clubs of bands. Oh, yes. So the Kitty Hawks is this is you'll be doing coloring books and all sorts before you know it i'm telling you
1: <laughs> my son i don't know if you saw them he actually was inspired he, and made his own little he's like dad i know what i'm gonna do yeah i'm gonna make these coloring sheets so he sat home and he took, took him ages actually he drew yeah. these really good pictures of like the band and stuff like that. and he's like it's for the kids so and and you know entrepreneur he was gonna sell them for what were they 50 cents each or nice. something and i had to print them off on the printer and probably cost me more than 50 cents <laughs> each to, to print but it was more of the thought of it and yeah he was really wanting to be like yeah, let's, let's, let's make colouring for the kids that are there.
7: See, you're already in the trap. Yeah. The <laughs> merch trap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So you have just released World Tonight. It's another banger. I'm going to play it right now, and then we'll talk about it straight after. This is the Kitty Hawks. This is a latest release. came out about whoa, a week and a half ago, I reckon. This is World Tonight. Man, what a tune! I love it. I love the fact that that is another one that's just in your face.
2: Thank you, Beefy. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's it's a tune. We I don't know. We don't talk that much about it. It hasn't changed a lot since we we first started writing it. It's Michelle's really gotten really confident on the vocals on that tune. I think the chorus is strong. Yeah, it, it's a. Do you want to know what it's about? <laughs> of course. <laughs> so when writing the song, we had this picture of uh these two young kids stuck in a town in maybe middle america the midwest just bored with their lives wanting to break away and it's sort of that that imagery of 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 driving until the end of the night and just getting away from normality and and boredom so that's the imagery of the song really there's no specific person it's about or story but it is about just Young and we're not young, by the way, but young <laughs> adventure and 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 breaking away from yeah the the norm and the and the I guess the shackles of of being in the Midwest if you're in America that is or in in the country town in Victoria, Gippsland. It's <laughs> Gippsland all over again, isn't it? Gippsland <laughs> or, or, or Ben
7: Dingo. Ben Dingo. Ben Dingo. <laughs> That's it. I want to ask you about your um, Inspector Gadget inspired tune. Who came up with that? Who wants to sample Inspector Gadget?
2: So, actually, the tune itself... And the Inspector Gadget bit have different you know, origins. Uh, our bass player, Tim, started playing sort of the riff, you know, which where the Inspector Gadget bit comes in. And I think we ran with that as imagery and we all watched it as kids, etc. But the song itself, it's called The Dream, it will be on the album, was something that I heard in my head when I was having a dream. I was on my honeymoon and I had this dream about Sounds Like Chicken having a reunion show and that was the song playing. We wrote a new song in my dream. So then I woke up and I, I had tiptoed to the bathroom in... This hotel in Vanuatu, and I hummed it into my phone, that the horn line, and and then went back to sleep. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. So oh, then the oh, next, oh, it's t- on the album. It's <laughs> actually on, yeah. The the actual tune for my phone. <laughs> All right. And then we wrote the song from there. Yeah. Wow. Now I've
7: got to ask you about the horn refrain in there. So there's a breakdown in the song, and then the horns just—is that the the dream? Is that that song? And the horns just come in and smash you late on in the song. Yep. Man, yes. that is so good that riff there when it the horns come in break I, out i, I base, wish you did the whole drawn. i wish you did the whole song like that by the way no i'm joking but so the, that bit and it when you do that live the place just comes alive yeah. It just explodes. You should kind of probably bring it in earlier <laughs> in your set, by the way, because everyone, like the the four or five times now we've seen you, and when that hits, it is. I got goosebumps because I'm thinking about it. It's so good. I and love the ba- it. The basis for that is when we we started, it was just
6: it agreed that we wanted a a part where everyone just went went crazy. It was just like a totally yeah. cut sick and, uh, and yeah. do what you want. And, it and does and
7: cut sick, man. I,
6: I actually <laughs> don't know what anybody else does <laughs> in, in that section because I've got my uh, bit and every. One just goes over the top, top of Well, to, starts like, it off. The so you start
2: just... off with the, uh, with the, the, the Barry farting growl. Barry noise, the, <laughs>
7: the growl. <laughs> so do watch out for the dream on uh, from Brass to Bullets from
2: uh, from the Kitty Hawks.
7: We're looking at album launch party, uh, March 9.
2: The iconic Cherry Bar. The iconic Cherry Bar. Well, it's the new Cherry Bar, isn't it? Because it the is old, the new Cherry Bar. The old venue is uh, no longer in use. It's the... Old pony, pony yeah, pony,
7: bony, yeah, Pony <laughs> maroni, macaroni, Tony, Ma- Tony, macaroni. Oh, yes, it's one of those. It depends if they go broke and relaunch it as a different name. But uh, I know from uh, first-hand
2: experience, which <laughs> to get bands confirmed at the minute is
7: just unbelievably hard.
2: Yes, it is. But I, I think it's a. It'll be a good venue. It's central. It's a Saturday, for, and it's not too big. It'll be nice and squishy. It is. It is yeah. nice and squishy. And the fact that you know you guys are going to play at a an
7: iconic Melbourne venue, it's fantastic. And that's kind of. Something I really wanted to see you guys at, and something we can hold our hats on and push forward from there. Because you know, you put your cherry bar on your resume, as you know. With uh, sounds like chicken, just things fall into place after that. Well, yes. fingers crossed it will. As be. long as we
2: fit on the stage. I mean, it's pretty small stage too there. But I went to see a show there not long ago, and um, brought back all kinds of memories of Pony back in the day. And, yeah, uh, and it, it sounds great. Uh, no, I can't wait for that one.
7: Obviously, after the album launches, we are looking at going Australia to get this thing out in the open and getting the Kitty Hawks
2: into the Australian public's faces? So there are uh, some loose plans to do a bit of a tour uh, nationally. We haven't locked anything in just yet, so but we will... Well, that's we- because
7: there's people going on holiday and people are trying to go and play cricket in Barbados. Exactly.
2: And- Barbados cricket. I'll be going on holiday, Elliot's in Barbados. You're going on holiday, Simon? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a few of us away. But look, uh, I think there'll be some activity in May, I think, that May involves playing interstate which will be good to grace those stages and I'm looking forward to it I wouldn't mind uh, playing in Sydney again or Adelaide
7: I, I don't see any reason why not no. I mean, the, the next step is obviously, uh, and we it's very easy to forget you're only five shows in, but yes. the expectation, the hype, everything else, and the fact that those five shows have been fantastic, it's just a natural fast-tracking of trying to get you into the public sphere. Um, and I think it's difficult to kind of just rein it in a, a little bit because, I don't know, the expectation from everyone now is that, oh, I've got a single I'm going to take on the world. But in terms of where you're at right now, it, it's not quite baby steps, but it's not quite geriatric. Um, graph size steps mm, either. Mm. I'm excited. I really am. I mean we've got to get this album out there because that's not quite out yet.
2: No. I mean it's, I think it's it's step by step for us really. We as you say it, it is still early days and you know we're we're just enjoying playing live and yeah. enjoying sharing our music. So far around Melbourne and Victoria but you know hopefully we'll be able to play in other states at some point and maybe even overseas at some point, you know, it'd be nice to share our music with other stuff.
7: That's a sentiment I uh, wholly support. <laughs> and obviously, when international acts come into town, I mean, that's the next step is to make sure we get you guys on those international acts supports and give yourselves a bigger audience. I mean, that's the that's most important as well because, I mean, that's how Santa Chicken got noticed originally. I mean, there's no reason why it shouldn't happen again because it's it's interesting at the moment with the ska, Scar punk and punk world is there's a bit of a resurgence in popularity. I mean, we talked about Blink-182 already and, you know, playing sold-out crowds again and big crowds which is three or four nights they're here yeah which is just ridiculous Mm. because they're rubbish i'm I'm joking i'm joking but in terms of that i mean um it's it's good to see people getting out hitting these older style bands and trying to rekindle their youth
2: it's funny because when i was we played our show on friday uh this guy comes up and he he basically said i didn't even know there was a scar scene in melbourne it's amazing i'm so happy (laughs) So yeah, well, and the, the, that surprised me, really. But, yeah. you know, obviously there are people out there who, who don't know that there are some great scar bands in, in Melbourne. Um, and I think people like Francis from The Resignators have really done a great job in, yeah. in just keeping it alive. I think the one, really, the one
7: great thing about Melbourne is you can go back to bands like even Johnny Longshot and The Scab Hangers and are doing traditional style scar vendors mm. and then you kind of bring it forward i mean melbourne scar orchestra probably one of the world's best live acts mm. going festivals all around the world mm. playing that in between trad style and two-tone mm. and then you've got looney tunes strange tenants mm. loin groin you know really evoking that two-tone style mm. and then you've got resonators and everyone else and all these scar punk bands the as whole well. spectrum's covered it <laughs> is it is you know and there's the unknown untalked about fourth wave forthcoming of Scar or new tone as we like to call it but somebody's got to be out there doing it the fact that we can on our doorstep that we have those bands i mean that is something we can really work with and yes create and i've said this ever since i've been doing this show you've just got to put on more shows it is as simple as that if you put on more shows more people come you know and like i said if one person turns up and says i didn't even know there was scar in melbourne then we've converted one more praise the lord but Mm. you know we just got to get people through the door and it's as simple as that and once they're through the door nine times out of ten they bloody love it come back yeah they do (laughs) bloody love it and you know it's quite funny i think our music speaks to it
6: quite a bit and it says something that it's come after the covid period if you actually listen to a lot of our tunes, we've we've said it amongst the band before. The tunes are, are quite meta in relation to what they talk about. You know, you're talking about "World Tonight," about you know breaking free and and driving out into the dawn and having having done with everything. We've got another song that we're working on, lined up, ready to go, called "Enough," which is. Mm. You know, had enough with everything, just want to get out there and dance. Yep. And then you've got songs like Danger in the Middle, which is about being in that mosh pit and, and, and dancing away. It's a theme there, isn't there? That
2: Breaking, <laughs>
6: <laughs> breaking yeah. out of that monotony. And,
3: yeah.
6: <laughs> and look, that's what we want to be there for. We want to yeah. be there for people to break out and come out and listen to us and and, and dance to us and, and enjoy themselves. That's what our music's going to be all about.
7: Talking about new songs that aren't on the album, mm. timeframes, uh, what are we looking at
2: to launch new mm. songs, do you think? Oh, so this is a, a bit of a hot topic we're talking about it today actually I, I think honest in reality we we want to give the album some breathing room so we'll probably gotta pace ourselves yeah, yeah well in terms of recordings we wouldn't see anything new before the end of the year uh, after the album comes out that is in terms of live i don't know we might have four five songs in the set list that are new towards the end of the year we'll see i think we're gonna <clears throat> spend some time writing uh, when the after the album's launched we will spend some time writing some new tunes just to have there we've already started introducing little bits yep. into the set we did a cover the other day uh which which is interesting and I'm not going to say what it is because I want people to come to the show and guess what it is hey. we've got a we've got our bonus track oh yes we we have played that for the first time you uh, did <laughs> <laughs> gosh uh, yeah, so that will be on the, that's on the album
6: too. It is on the album. Is, that's, the, uh, that's the joy of being in a band with so many people and so many accomplished musicians as well because I think it was post post our first show and definitely post um, Scarnation, we kind of came back into the uh, the recording practice studio at... Um, in the new year, and I was saying, I've got some ideas. I've got I've Ooh. got some lyrics, I've got some chords. And then our trombonist was like, yeah, yeah, I've got a, a riff too. So we're all sort of eager to move on no, and, and get stuff down. It. But similarly, as, as Nat says, we want to do Brastable as well first, mm. and we want to get out there and have as much fun with that as we can. Yep. Um, the yeah. ideas are there and they're, they're ready to go.
1: We kind of did a bit of a compromise where we're like, well, we don't want to do new songs just yet, but let's work on the songs we've got, making them a little bit different. So like putting in some intros to them, like we put in a different intro to The Dream the other night. Because I don't. Know, I just say, when I go and see a live band, I love it when they do songs that you know, but they change it, and you go, oh, that's not how it was on the album, yeah. but I still recognise it. And it's kind of that thing of, I remember of hearing time. this, this might be a bit deep, but I remember this Victor Wooten podcast I listened to once, and he was like, when you go to a live show, you've got to think of it as like, you're having a moment in time that's never, ever going to be again, never be repeated, because even that band will never play it the same, exactly yep. the same set. Different banter, different whatever. So you've got to actually really play up that fact that this is like the once in a lifetime experience you're going to ever yeah. see. <laughs> Fried, like, that gig Friday, never be done again, ever, the same. That's gone now. So you have to come along to the next one because, you know, the songs will be slightly faster or slower or different or… Different order or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's what makes it really special. Simon to, all to stuff these. up in different
2: places. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> different wrong notes, different yeah. right notes, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> that's it. You can't but be yeah, That's too what polished. makes it special because otherwise you could just put on a CD and sit and listen to it. Yeah, But it's going and watching them and going, oh, this is… This is a bit different to how they played at the other other no, time, it's but an I still experience. can it, it. I
7: mean, yeah. you've nailed it. It's an experience, like you say. You can just drive to a gig and put the CD on, and drive home again. It's a uh, you know yeah. why bother spending money and. Yeah. In- but you're out there, you're enjoying it, you're, you're with friends, and you know we've got to support the live music scene all around the world. I don't know how many times I have to say it on this show, please, if there's a gig in your ear, go and buy tickets early because we've had gigs cancelled in Australia just these last couple of weeks where people just haven't bought tickets enough yeah. for the venue's liking, so they've cancelled yeah. the gigs. So please, buy your tickets early, please support live music, support the live music venues as well. So uh, it's vitally important we all do that. All righty, we're going to wrap this up. i got to thank Nat, Joel, and Simon. From Brass to Bullets is coming out on March the 1st. There is a album launch party March 9 at the Cherry Bar in Melbourne. Guys, thank Thank you for your time. It has been an absolute honor for me to do this with you guys. Thank you. Congratulations on the fact that you've managed to pull this off in, I was going to say a short period of time for where you are right now, but it has been a long time in the making, if that makes any sense at all. I've got no idea. I'm <laughs> running on fumes now, but no, I'm joking. It's absolute credit to all you guys in the band across the board that uh, you've managed to create a something that is very different than we've seen in Australia for quite some time. I'm not fed up of saying you guys are the future of ska punk in this country.
2: Thank you for the vote of confidence, Beefy. We're happy to be here. Thank
7: you. (laughs) I'm happy to be a part of it. I really am because make no bones about it. We've needed it. You know, because I've said a number of times to a number of people that what was the newest ska band we've had in Australia that have hit the scene running? It just hasn't been one for a long, long time, and now you guys are here. And I'm sorry, but uh, that's the weight of expectation, and there's going to be a whole lot of pressure put on you now. (laughs) All good. If we can bring Scar back to the masses, that's our job. (laughs) (sighs) Music to my ears. All right, we're going to go out with the debut single from the Kitty Hawks. Somebody on uh, this website says, It's a great song to groove to. So much energy in this song. They can't wait to hear more. I hope they did hear more. This is is Danger in the Middle from the Kitty Hawks. The album from the Bullets is out March the 1st. Do not sleep on this band, people. They're going to come up and smash you in the face with their multiplex of horns. In the meantime, please, please, please stay safe, do the right thing, and be excellent to one another. I'm Beefy. This has been a special edition of Scar Nation Radio with Beefy. I'll be back, same time, same place, same channel.
5: One more time, line by line, it's how we play along. Trying to fake my way all through the chorus line. Close that band, catch that tune before it fades.